0: I met today's guest when she showed up in my Wednesday night acting class at John Rosenfeld Studios. Uh, If you've ever wondered how someone can go from a scene study class in West Hollywood to being one of the most sought after young writers in Hollywood, then this is the one for you. Welcome to Industry Town, presented by John Rosenfeld Studios. Today's guest is Amanda Adoko. Her first feature, Breaking News in Yuba County, is one of the best screenplays I've ever read. And it is being produced by Jake Gyllenhaal and directed by Tate Taylor and coming out in 2020 with a cast that includes seemingly every actor in Los Angeles. Uh, Allison Janney, Mila Kunis, Aquafina, Regina Hall, Ellen Barkin, Matthew Modine, uh, Juliette Lewis, Jimmy Simpson, Clifton Collins... uh, there's Wanda Sykes. I'm sure I'm even forgetting some. Um, since then, Amanda has been hired to write Plastic Man for DC, so she's getting into the superhero game. Uh, Cynthia Erivo and Josh Gad have come on to star in her musical adaptation of Rip Van Winkle, so she's doing a musical. And so she's just killing it. Amanda was awesome enough to stop by and, uh, and talk about her journey from starting out at a film festival in Texas all the way to exploding onto the scene... We talk about writer's room culture, uh, her writing process, how her acting has uh, informed her writing, and so much more. We also talk about uh, breaking news and that whole experience. Uh, in the meantime, stay tuned for next week's episode. I'm going to announce the details for our first Academy Awards contest. There are going to be some really fun, crazy prizes for those of you who send in ballots and crush it. But in the meantime, uh, sit back, relax, or you know, take a walk or exercise or take a drive. And here's Amanda.
1: Lock it up. Very quiet and stealthy. Ready. Scene one, take three, A-Mark.
0: Anda Doko, welcome to Industry Town.
1: Thank you. Uh,
0: you seem nervous right now. Oh, I am. <laughs> you're not. Ner- you're not interviewed very often, are you?
1: No, I'm not. I'm not a. Um, I haven't. I am not I have not i do not really do a lot of podcasts or interviews. So, do you have any expectations right now? Um. I don't, I, I'm just here, I'm here to do it. I'm here to see what happens, no expectations, right? So. Perfect.
0: So I just saw you at the JRS Film Festival and yeah. uh, I feel like that must have been kind of an interesting experience for you coming in as a judge.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was I was talking to John about it there and telling him how it really was um, a full circle moment for me, like coming from the studio and having a short in that festival a few years ago and now I'm being on the other side of it. It's Ooh. been like, <laughs> you know, it was like really trippy and like I really do feel like that was part of the beginning of of everything for me having that short because that's also where I met Pete whose screenwriting class I took and I wrote my first movie in that class. So let's slow
0: down a second. Yeah. So you have your short of the JRS Film Festival. What was that called again?
1: Biffles. Biffles. <laughs> Is there a
0: place that people could see that if they wanted to?
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't. It's think on YouTube so. or anything. No. Okay.
0: I feel like that just started a great like hunt. I mean, that, like, can people find this contraband yeah. short? So you have that, and that leads you to meeting Pete Goldfinger, who was a judge in the festival. He's been a judge every single year. I actually hope to get him on the podcast too. Yeah. And what did so? What happened there? You signed up for his writing class.
1: Um. Yeah, I signed up for because I, I knew I would wanted to write. Um, a feature and I'd never done it before and so I wanted some guidance in that. And um, they were like, there's a working screenwriter here. And I was like, all right. And I I was like, let me go meet this guy. Um,
0: Is that usually how you are? Are you just like, let me go meet this guy?
1: Um, I, I mean, I think I try to like, you know, Make opportunities for myself and like go after things that I that I want. Um, and so I know that Pete had a connection with the studio and they and had a, like a relationship in terms of like teaching. And so I was like, oh well, this is like a perfect opportunity for me um, to to learn something new and 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 move in a new direction.
0: So when you're gonna meet someone new. You're like I'm gonna. You just said I like I'm okay making things happen for myself. You want to go talk to this guy? Do you like make a plan ahead of time? I'm gonna say this, this, and this, or do you just walk up and see what the fuck happens?
1: Um. Yes, I think it's like see what the fuck happens. It's it real because it was. I think it was also because the environment was so casual and it didn't feel like a high pressure stakes and 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 it was. Going in, like asking for information. I was just like, I'm interested in this class, like, let's talk about it, kind of thing. And he was so, like, open and, and, you know, um, nice about it. And so it didn't feel like high stakes.
0: Okay. So we're going to get into what happened to that class, but I actually want to go back, 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 back. Mm -hmm. How did you find yourself in Los Angeles in my acting class? (laughs)
1: How many years ago is that now? Geez, it feels like what four years ago?
0: Yeah, which feels like ten.
1: It feels like forever ago. But
0: it's like four now. Yeah. And you were there for like a year? Two years? Two, I years? I was at the
1: studio for two years. Yeah,
0: something yeah. like that. So how did you find yourself in Los Angeles? What was your what was your way?
1: Um, so I'm I'm from New York originally, and I came out here in twenty thirteen, fall of twenty thirteen. So it's like been six years I've been out here now. Um and I knew I, I I knew I wanted to to act and write. And so that there were just more opportunities in LA. And my first way in was I'd done the Austin Film Festival. So when i i started writing in New York, um I took a TV writing class when I was out there, and the first spec I'd wrote had placed in the Austin Film Festival. And so I went to that. and it was just this amazing writers conference. And just like again, like, um, I think honestly probably like the one of the best writer conferences I've been to because everyone was so open. And did you
0: have a f- short film there or did you just go? I to had attend? a
1: script there, so I okay. had one of my scripts had placed there, um, and and it was just like a great environment, both in terms of me, like the panels and meeting like I met my writing mentor out there and just meeting. Um, all my peers on the same level, because it was just exciting to be part of this like group of like young writers, like you're just wanting to like do things. And so everyone at that festival was just like moved to LA, and I was just like, all right, sure. <laughs> like you know, I've never lived in, I've never lived outside of New York, so let me try something new. Because I think that you know, I'd been I'd, I'd been in New York for two years um, after college, and I think I'd kind of gotten comfortable, and I needed to like move to a new place and really just like. Dive all in and get out of my comfort zone and like make it feel like, okay, I moved here to LA to like do this, so I better actually do this. Like, and I think when I moved to LA was when I started calling myself a writer, even though I hadn't done anything professionally, because I feel like, you know, when you're saying you're a writer, you have to kind of like back it up. You have to actually be writing. You have and so to that, do like, it. that made me, you know, actually work harder at that. Um, and I think it was the move that I needed. And it and it, and I get it cuz I think it is generally hard coming from New York to LA. I know like a lot of New Yorkers aren't like huge fans of LA and I have like Who
0: is a fan of LA? <laughs>
1: I don't mind LA. I like LA. I actually
0: really like it, but I think it's the easiest city to hate. It's it, it, all transplants. I think it's like, yeah, I think you could talk about traffic and air and all this shit. I think
1: LA is like one of the cities that everyone just feels comfortable like shitting on, like regardless. And I was just like, you yeah. know what? I, I like LA. I, I I don't mind it, but I do think that like in terms of like the artist community, um, just because I have a lot of. Uh, friends in New York who were just like, well, I'll, I'll go to L.A. when L.A. calls me. And I got here and I was just like, L.A. is never gonna call you. Like, you have to, like, if you wanna, like, be here, you have to, like, come in and just, like, start and just do it, cause you'll just find yourself kind of waiting forever. And I mean, so, you came
0: out here, I mean, you're proof of that. You literally made a script that no one was paying you for. No mm-hmm. one was asking for that script. Yeah. That script took you to a film festival and then those people are saying, great, you've done work, bring it. But it started with work. It wasn't like I'm just, eh, I'll check it out. I'll audit yeah. a class, maybe yeah, and yeah. find an apartment. Like yeah. no, the work led to you coming here. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you get here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are kind of the first steps for you?
1: Um, so I got here and I was still working. I, I was in a good position because the job that I had in New York, I was working um, an overnight shift at a law firm. I was able to transfer to the law for the LA office. Uh, of that law firm so I worked that job for like the first six months I was here which like okay. gave me a nice transition um, but then I also immediately jumped into class so I joined that's when I joined JRS um, because my friend Mega who I was in the same theater company in New York was a part of it she's like joined the studio and I was like let's do it um, and met like a great like artist community so that was like kind of my first like you know artist family out here and then I was also doing, I guess for me, because I knew I wanted to both write and act, I was just like, I'm going to follow both paths, and whichever door opens first, I'm going to walk it, walk through it. And so I was still pursuing both, and I was able to get um, an interview for uh, an assistant gig on Bones. So that was my first industry job. I was the writer's PA there and then the writer's assistant. And that was like such a... Wonderful, like kind of learning experience for me because when I came on Bones, it was on, I think, season 10. So, well-oiled machine, like I was able to kind of be in the room and the writers were so generous and like, you know, pitch, sit at the table and if you're not working, be writing. Um, So I actually wrote my first movie like when I was assistant on Bones because I had so much downtime at work and I was just like, and they are like, all right, if you're not working, be writing. So I was writing. Um, so wait, what and,
0: gets you that job, though? What what kind of qualifications do you need to get that first job?
1: I think it helped that I had, by that point, I think I had like two or three scripts. Um, features, pilots? Those were all pilots. I hadn't done features yet, so these were all spec scripts. Um, I had a pilot and I think like two spec scripts. Um, these were things you
0: just written in mm-hmm. your in your spare time for fun.
1: Yeah, so I'd written the the, the spec. The um, I had a Parks Parks and Rec uh, spec script, and that's what had gotten me to the Austin Film Festival. Great. Um, and I had a New Girl spec, and and then I wrote a pilot. Um, so all these scripts I wrote um, when I was living in New York, and so that that was like my like let me write to get to LA kind of thing, and. And then my writing mentor, Nkechi, I had met her at the Austin Film Festival. She was one of the panelists and she was a writer on Bones at the time. And so again, just because of the energy of the conference being so open and welcoming, after her panel, I just went up to her and I was just like, thank you for you know giving your time and coming out to speak to us. I really loved your talk and what you had to say. Um, and we were able just to connect um, and meet uh, over that weekend. I bumped into her again at the bar later that weekend because, again, it was working writers, new writers, everyone just kind of hanging out together that weekend, and she gave me her number. She's like, if you ever move to L.A., hit me up, and I was like, listen, I will hit you. (laughs) Like, you you give me your number, believe me, I will hit you up when you come, and so. I (laughs) have a question.
0: When you were about, so you say you went to the bar, that's where all the new writers are hanging out. Are you a person who's like, uh, maybe I wanna just stay in. Are you ever that person?
1: Um I think in that moment I I, I am someone who like what I mean generally like I, I am someone who would rather just like be in and like, you know, I'm not like the best like networker or schmoozer, but I know that's like, you know, um in the beginning I just wanted to put myself in a position where I was meeting people.
0: So there's so many ingredients there that I think are 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 the reasons that people tend to succeed. I mean, there's the, if you build it, they will come kind of idea of making these specs, and it's not because some agent said, you need to have these and then I'll sell you. And then it's that work, begets other work that takes you to the conference mm-hmm. and then it's that willingness to make yourself uncomfortable and go after the thing that you want and just kind of say I want this thing and yeah. I'm not going to apologize for that, which you already described doing that with Pete and now you're doing this with, what's your mentor's name? Inkechi. Inkechi. So you're doing that there and this is an area where there's professionals everywhere, right? And so if there's a hierarchy you're probably at the lower end and you're saying I don't give a shit and I'm not staying home. <laughs> and to me those are the things that lead to how How do you get that connection that brings you to LA? Yeah. So often people think that's, oh, well, you already knew that person or that's luck. And to me, like, you've got to work to be lucky. You've got to do all that work and be in the right place so you might make that connection. Yeah. And have put in so much good work that someone like her is going to look at you and say, oh, you're something special.
1: Yeah, wow.
0: and like no one's asking you to do that so there's so much work and effort that you've got to do because you love it and because mm-hmm. you believe in it and that's really uncelebrated, unpaid and probably alone that eventually paves the way for that connection.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, that's that's powerful stuff. So you meet her there Mm-hmm. You get her number, so you've got that yeah, thing yeah. with you. To go to L.A. <laughs> yeah,
1: I got her number. I go back to New York, and I'm just like, all right, let me let me make plans and pack up my stuff. I'm moving to L.A. You know, before the year is over. Okay. Um, and so, I you know, I went to my job. I tried to find a way to transfer. Um, I was able to transfer to the L.A. office. And when I came out to L.A., um, I reached out to her to get coffee, and she was just so generous with her time. She met up with me. And we just really connected, and like we had like the same energy and spirit. And like she's just like, I mean, I just stole her hustler energy because I was just like, I look like, the way this woman works. Like I, that's what I want to be doing. Um, and so she was the one who um, let me know about the assistant position open on Bones. And so I went in to interview for that. And then she's kind of just like had my back since then, and like looking out for me.
0: What are the biggest things you learned in the Bones writers' room?
1: Um, I mean, I think that. I was learning a lot about um, structure, and then also learning about like pitching and just like how to be in a in a writer's room um, because it isn't just about writing; it is also about like personalities and like you know knowing um, knowing how to pitch and like knowing how to like be a part of like a cohesive like group and knowing how to like write towards someone else's vision, which is completely different than when you're writing your own thing. Um, and I think that being my first job in the industry, it was just also just like me learning. A little bit about how TV gets made, like you know, because before then I was just like I was just a viewer, so I didn't know any of the steps. I didn't know what went into like oh, especially for something you're shooting every week. Like okay, this is TV. We got to just get this done. We got to put it out. We got to shoot it, and so that was like my first intro into um, how TV got made.
0: Any any insight into the pitching process in a writer's room? Is there anything that makes a pitch better or worse? Is it about, you know, uh, knowing how to please the showrunner, or is it more about cr- pitching ideas that are, are shootable? Like, what, what what would you say are like the real insights that you found into that?
1: Um, I think I guess it depends on the the room that you're in. Like from there, I was like in a lot of sitcom rooms, and and my like biggest you know fear like going into a sitcom room, I was just like, well, I don't think I'm a big I don't think I'm. A, I don't consider myself a joke writer. Like I don't think I'm like a a, a setup punchline setup punchline. So I wasn't like pitching jokes. And so like I would get like I remember in my first sitcom room I was so nervous. And so I would. Try to like come up with jokes and like prepare at home and then like try to like pitch it like I just made it up in the room, <laughs> like you know, because I was just like so nervous about like not being funny. Um, but I'm a story person, and so like you know, once I got more comfortable with that and just leaning into the fact that like I saw store I saw like you know stuff differently. Like I saw, I always came in from the story aspect, and then my humor comes from the situations more so than the jokes. And I was just like, oh, that's fine. That, that that's okay to be that. Like I. Don't have to be like the um, the joke writer in the room. I could be like a story person, and I think once I leaned into like my strength, um, that I had like a, a better, I had like better times in rooms.
0: So, how do we go from Bones to your first sitcom room?
1: Um, so, when I was on Bones, I applied for um, the ABC writing, the Disney ABC writing program, and I had been applying for like all of the writer fellowships, like since I was in New York. So, this was I think my third year applying to it. Like you know, because all the like NBC, like ABC, HBO, like all like the networks and um, streamers, or most of them have some sort of writing program for like uh, emerging writers. And so I'd be applying for them every year, and I'd get rejected every year. Um, But this third year that I applied for it, I got uh, into it. I got into the program, and so that was what helped me get stopped on my first show because the way the program is set up is that. It's helping you. It's, like, guiding you through the year. It's, like, has, like, m- you meeting with execs and, like, learning. And basically the the program is acting as your representation for that year. And they're, like, putting you out in the town. And they're, like, you're working on a new – I wrote a new spec and a new pilot during that program. And then during staffing season, they basically have your back during staffing. And so, like, we were all going out to meet on ABC or Disney shows. And so that's how I got staffed on my first show, which was – an ABC comedy called *Imaginary Mary*, a little one-season, <laughs> one-hit wonder. Um,
0: what are those meetings like when you go in and you're new to being staffed, and you got some specs? You've you've hung out with the Bones writers, but what's the what's the interview like?
1: Um, I think it's it's kind of like you're you have your you really do kind of have your elevator pitch about about you. -hmm. Um, It's just like this is who I am as a person, and like you're getting your energy and your personality across because it's like one—do would people want to be in a room with this writer? and so it is telling your story. So I I, I got used to telling my origin story.
0: <laughs> like, Would you share it with us?
1: <laughs> oh my God. It really is just to like, this is, you know, this is where I'm from, this is who I, you know. But I think this is
0: really important. And if you do remember it, I'd love to hear it a little bit because I, you know, in class and when I teach business classes, people have real trouble with this piece right here, which is just like, who are you and why should I care? And they, th- I think, Think it's this, like, oh, it's networking and it's all so planned and it's all like, Mm. who do you know? I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine, and there's something so shitty about it. And I, I do think that sounds shitty. I don't think that's really what it is. I think it's being able to say without apology and without, you know, kind of stumbling over yourself, why should you be the person who gets one of these coveted spots? There's just not many of them. And it doesn't mean that you are the best human in the world or the greatest writer or actor there's ever been but there is a compelling reason for you. This is why we teach people to, you know, start off by like tell me some wins. Tell me a personal one and a and, yeah. a, and, a, and a and a work one. And don't phrase it that way, my personal one my work one. <laughs> so that way it's just like, oh, these are the things going on with me. Yeah. So, do you remember at all what your pitch was, even um, a little bit?
1: Let me see. Let me I think I mean is definitely trying to lean into um things that that kind of make you stand out a little bit and that are memorable. And so I'm from like a super large Nigerian family. So I would talk about being one of seven. And I talked about my, you know, entry into entertainment, you know, not having, like not even considering it as a viable career option growing up because being Nigerian, like, you know, it's like doctor, lawyer, engineer. And like when I started at Cornell, I was a pre-med bio major, like on track to be a doctor. And like talking about that transition from, uh, pre-med to theater arts and like diving into that. And then, you know, going into New York and how my transition from being more, cause I started focused more on being an actor and then talking about how, you know, I, you know, getting frustrated with the parts I was going out for in New York and deciding like, I'm gonna write more for myself. Um, and like kind of like moments like that. I don't remember the full feel, but No, but it was, I like <laughs> it because like, yeah. that's
0: your story to tell. Yeah. You know, my, my I just did another interview with uh, the people who did Oh Baby, Kate, mm-hmm. and, uh, Kate and Brooke. And we were talking about how like that's just such a deeply personal story. And it's yeah. there's, well, it's, you know, it's really Kate's to tell. And yeah. then, then she enlisted Brooke so beautifully in, in how to do that. It was
1: such a great short.
0: It was a beautiful short, but like that's. That's the story that's the most present to her right now and and, and yeah. rather than pretending it's not a big deal or shitting on it or whatever, saying, like, no, this is the story I got. I'm writing with this. Mm-hmm. And whatever that truth is for you, that's the thing that we wanna hear. That's what you're gonna that's what you're gonna bring to the table.
1: And I think it also helps as a writer to have you know, a a path and a background that isn't just, wasn't from day one I was on this path to be a writer. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when you're a writer, you're telling human stories, so like you wanna have varied experiences, and like you don't, you know, so I think it helped that I wasn't like, you know, I, and it's funny, because I've been writing since I was a kid, and so even though I didn't know that this is what I always wanted to do, I think the fact that I didn't know meant that I got to do a bunch of other things and, like, kind of experience life, you know, in a different way um, and take a different path that, like, gave me more experiences that I could put into my stories.
0: Absolutely. I mean, there are so many people who want these jobs. We just want people who have interesting stories. And so, if you, I don't know, if you lived in Nova Scotia for three years shoveling ice, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's at least an interesting story I've never heard before. Lead with that. Like, let me know more about that.
1: And I think you just have to also, like, go with, I mean, when you go unprepared, you know, like if you're meeting with an exec, like you know what shows they're they're working on and then kind of, you, you're never giving the same pitch all the time. You're kind of like gearing it towards whatever you want to get, you know? So like if you are like going out for a show about a blended family, like make sure like if you're from a blended family, like you hit that, like, oh, I think, you know, I have a personal connection for this or I can tell this story because of this. Or if you're going out for a show about law, like, oh, I went to law school. Like, you know, this show is perfect for me. And so like putting your like real life experiences um, into what you're working on. And then also like, you know, you're talking about what, what you love and like what you love watching and what you love writing. And like, and I think kind of putting all that into, towards like what you're hoping to get.
0: So what we're gonna slightly deviate from the career path for a second, uh, we'll pick it up again. But tell me, what did, how did studying acting inform writing?
1: Um, I think that for me, being an actor has really helped me as a writer because I know what actors are excited to say and play and I'm really like every single person or every character that I'm writing is like a full fledged person and so like I want everyone to have a moment is how I kind of always look at it. And so like even someone who's in one scene, I want that person to feel like they have something to do um, and like has like, you know, a complexity to them. And I think I have, and I think that's why I'm like good with dialogue and with story because I learned it from an actor's perspective in terms of like scene study and breaking things down. And so I'm just like, would an actor be excited to play this role? And like, if not, like how can I like make it better?
0: That's so kind. (laughs) You know? Are you an angel? Where did you come from? <laughs> um, when when did that first imaginary Mary show up for you? Were you still in class at that point or had you already left?
1: Um, was I still in class at that point? I feel like I was in class maybe up until mm, through the program maybe. Okay. And then by the time I was in, a, oh, maybe I still actually was in class. I can't remember. It was so long ago. Fair <laughs> like, enough. Okay,
0: so Imaginary yeah. Mary runs one season, right? Mm-hmm. So now you're somebody who's had a job on, on in, you know, under your belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you get to the next one? What is the next one?
1: Um, so after that, I did the Goldbergs, um, and I think that kind of was a little bit of a seamless transition for me because it had the same producers on it. And so it was the same team that did Imaginary Mary did the Goldbergs, and so I was um, luckily able to kind of get into that room when Imaginary Mary was canceled.
0: So what was your in to the Goldbergs? I mean, you're talking about being from a Nigerian family of seven. Mm-hmm. I feel like that brings a really interesting insight to a billion things. One thing that I don't know quite the connection is a family called the Goldbergs, right? <laughs> so what's your sell into that? How do, you, how do you find your way into that, and what's your role mm-hmm. in that staff?
1: I mean, I think it's also, it's a it's a family show. And mm-hmm. so it's, like, about, it is about this, like, big family. And um, I think, you know, I was, again, it was, like, you know, story. And so I was good on story. So I watched the sh- I, like, caught up on the show as I was, like, going out to staff on it. And I was, like, oh, okay, this is, like, funny. I see, I see, I see um, what I can, like, add to it. I'm trying to even remember what, like, my, like, you know, because like when you are going out to staff on something, like you're watching, you like do a deep dive into the show and then you try to figure out what you could bring to it and like what how, like what you would be in the room um, when you're going to that staffing meeting. Um but yeah, I think that like having that connection to the to the having the same producers on both and so like being like we were literally in the same building in the state like one floor above each other and so like and it's Adam like was like running both up, and so it's like
0: getting a year older in high school. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I get to just hang out with the older kids yeah. over there. But like same building. So, I know it.
1: Um but I think that like, you know, as I was like going I think I was also just like had like strong specs and like you know, I was like, you know, because everything I was doing up at that point was sitcom writing. And so I was able to make a seamless transition from what I remember to that. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about the writing process for you. What does mm-hmm. writing look like on like a granular level? Are you someone who just sits sits down in front of a blank final draft document <laughs> and sits down? and Eight hours later, there's like thirty pages. No, like what does it look like? How do you write?
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like for me, I. I have to map everything out before I like actually start writing writing and so I feel like a, a story can live in my head for such a long time before I even put words to the page and so it is and so because I, I am I'm a fast I'm a fast writer when I get to like actually like typing it out but the story does live in my head for a while and I feel like I'm thinking about worlds and I'm thinking about characters for a while and you know when I'm starting something new it's like I have like this document of just like ideas or visuals that have jumped out at me that I'll like write down um, and be like, oh, this is gonna be, this can turn into something. I see how like this could be something. And then when it gets to the actual writing part of it, I like to, I like to kind of, I don't, it's so weird because, and I feel like this is like a bad habit that I've just had since like high school that now I'm just trying to lean into and like see it as just like whatever, this is my process. But I am a little bit of a procrastinator. Um, And, like, I've just always been that person who's just, like, like, shit, I have an essay due tomorrow. I guess I'm staying up all night to write this kind of thing. And I think because that's never bitten me in the ass because it always just turns out okay that I've just, like, never gotten out of that habit. But there is something about that pressure of, like, a crunch that makes, for some reason, my, like, creative brain, like, kick in in that moment. Whereas if I have, you know, like, you'll get, like, three months to write a script And I'll kind of just be like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then it's like two weeks, the strip's due in two weeks. I was like, all right, now I gotta write it. Um, But it doesn't feel like, and so like I do have, like I do go through like the two weeks of just like, all I'm doing like for 24 7 is working on that project um until it's done but I feel like I'm able to do that because it's kind of been living in my head for like the months up leading up onto that
0: Sorkin I read an interview with him where he said that like 80% of his writing process looks like him in his underwear watching sports center <laughs> But I feel like that's what you're talking about he's like the ideas are all developing Yeah but get more specific about what that looks like do you have um, a notebook you carry around is it in your phone do you do voice memos like where cuz it sounds like you're sitting down with outline treatment kind of a collage of stuff mm. so how are you developing that are you um is, are you just living your life and ooh an idea i'm going to write that down are you seeking out movies or tv that are going to stimulate this Are mm-hmm. you, you going to the beach like what is it that brings about the creativity for you
1: um i think it's a little bit of a little bit of all of that actually so i do have like a notes like a, just like a writing notes app on my phone so whenever i like get a line of dialogue that like makes me laugh i'm just like who would say that? Like, what is that person? Like, I have to write it down, because I am like, there's a character in there, or if I get like a funny visual in my head or I see something, then I like, write it down, so that when I'm starting something new, I'll always go through that notes app, and it's like, is this, an, is this one of the new projects that I want to work on, is what's jumping out at me? Um, and then, if it's like something specific in tone, then I'll definitely, you know, read and watch things around that. Like, I know when I was working on Breaking News, I, you know, Went back and was rewatching a lot of like the Coen Brothers movies because I know I you know I love that like style so I was watching those. I love that I
0: you said that because when I describe that script to people, like, that's Fargo. It's like 2019 Fargo. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we're gonna get into that. Keep talking about creativity.
1: Um, and so like reading, definitely reading, um, and watching things that are that I, that inspire the tone or similar to it. And like you know a lot of that like for example like on the TV side when I was starting out, I was like watching. Like if I'm writing a spec of something, I'm like watching all the, like those episodes. I'm watching rewatching things that made me laugh, and just like okay, what was like funny about that, and like how can like I emulate that? And now I'm more on the feature side that I'm like writing like in my own voice and my own style. Like it is like um, rewatching like you know writers and like movies that like did inspire me and just like stuff that I want to emulate.
0: What are some um, favorites?
1: Oh my goodness. <laughs> Well, I do, like Fargo is like one of my favorite movies. I love burn after reading. Oh, so good. Um and like my cousin Vinny is like super classic for me. I can watch that all the time. Like Sister Act, both Sister Acts actually.
0: Do you ever go back and actually like find the script and like do a kind of watching and reading at the same time? Is it ever that kind of uh I don't know, mundane's the wrong word, mm-hmm. but I mean, that feels like very busy worky. But are you ever doing one-to-one, or is it just watching that movie and thinking about why, why does Sister Act work the way it does? And like, it's a really well-structured movie. You yeah. can actually learn a lot by just thinking yeah. about how that movie's built.
1: Sister Act, like the first one is like such a, cause I love, I love like, kind of like accidental criminals or like misunderstandings and like ordinary people thrown into like, you know, catastrophe situations and Sister Act is like all of that and it's so perfect it's so good (laughs) like you know it's such a perfect movie I actually have never read that script
0: Um, I'm embarrassed to say that I thought the song was my god not my guy I grew up thinking like oh man there's that really religious song about the woman who wanted to marry god
1: Um, but there is just like something about like you know having and so like you know like Ocean's Eleven like that's another one I rewatch all the time and so I feel like when I found the kind of Style and tone. I mean, everything I do has levity in it. And so, especially, like, and so I love movies like that that can kind of toe the line where it's just like, it's not a straight. I mean, Sister Act and Cousin Mike and of Vinny are like straight comedies, but like, I feel like there is like kind of like a line that they're on that like is not just like a straight rock camp comedy.
0: Sister Act doesn't work if they're, if Harvey Keitel doesn't scare you a little yeah, bit. Right? Yeah. And, and, like, so and then they got like Harvey fun. Keitel it's, to play that yeah. part. Yeah.
1: And so, like, I like, and then again, exactly, and seeing, seeing like things of, um, Seeing like actors like in a different like way is always exciting, and so I think that like I've always been obsessed with like that tone, and so I love I love making people laugh, and I love like kind of making people laugh in a surprising way.
0: Are you into any screenwriting books? Did you ever read a bunch of those? Do you? I do, did
1: do some. screenwriting Do you
0: stand books. for any of them?
1: Oh my goodness, I did. Well, the, the screenwriting book I did when I was starting out was Save the Cat, which I think is what everyone does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know in the beginning, reading all those books. And then the TV book I did was um uh TV writers workbook, TV writers. I think it's Ellen Sandler or something like that. I'll find um, it and put it in the show notes. Yeah, um but I think like reading those books in the beginning just helped me in terms of structure and like how I was like seeing and how and how and trying to make structure um how to have structure without like having a visible structure in a way almost. And so and so like when you're watching movies or like when I was watching movies before I kind of learned about writing movies like you're just kind of watching it and you don't see like oh, like the the three acts and like all the dips but then like getting the language of like oh you have to have you know you have to know what the character wants within the first 5 pages and like have like okay and then by this point like you have to like be into the story by the end of act 1 like you have to know what the drive is and like you know the low point in act 2 and then act 3 go, driving into act 3 and so I feel like getting all those like languages and understanding the formula because it is a formula. And I feel like, um, you know, the the thing that you kind of have to learn to do is like use the formula but not make the formula visible.
0: Okay, I like that. That's fair. Um, we get from we go from the Goldbergs, then we go is the mayor after that,
1: um, and then it was the mayor. Yeah.
0: And how was working on the mayor? That was the. I guess Imaginary Mary" was a first season show, but now you've got more experience under your belt, and you're getting to like work on this show that's finding its voice from the get-go, right? Mm-hmm. How was mm-hmm.
1: that? Um, I mean, I, what I what I liked about that room was that was that it was diverse, and like up until that point, like I I had been like the only black writer in, in any room I'd been in, but again, it was like you know I feel like first season shows are hard because um, they're you know it's figuring out what it is, and so it is a little bit chaotic and a little bit like hard figuring. At um, what the show is going to be, and like finding like a working groove, um, and so I mean I loved all the writers that I. That 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 I like met on that and I feel like we were a family, we became a family because like we went through something together.
0: Sure. I actually want to go back for a second. I realized I had one other question on the you were talking three X structure. Do you fully subscribe to the three X structure? Because some people I know swear by it one hundred percent. They're like, you know, this is your movie's the first act is like the first sixteen pages, and then the middle of the movie is pretty much the whole journey, and then the third act is we're gonna wrap it up. And then like I love the film crit Hulk book. I don't know if you've ever read that one, mm-hmm. but The whole argument there is like, well, that's basically just saying beginning, middle and end. And middle is, you know, uh, an hour 40 of your two hour movie that doesn't have a lot of structure to that. That can seem kind of blobby to people. Mm -hmm. And so their argument was the five act structure way more like Shakespeare, Mm -hmm. Um, which for my very left brain, analytical brain, it's like, oh, now I understand like really this act two quote unquote is made up of a Shakespearean act two, three and four. Mm and all of a sudden I can start kind of tracking that a little bit. Do you, does that? Does three act make sense to you? Do you feel like that's a little easy given how big the middle act is? How do you approach that?
1: Um, I think a three act structure makes sense to me um, because it is like you want, it is, I mean, you start, it's all like you, as long as you can track the character's journey and so like it is like the beginnings, like what do they want and then it's like, Okay, how are they going to try to get it? What are the obstacles in the way? Obstacles in the way. How are they up and down, up and down, up and down? And now, like, shits get fucking crazy and you're driving towards the end. And so I can see how people think, like, act two, like, you have to, like, break it up. But I haven't, you know, you know there's going to be, like, the the major low point. Like, you know there's going to be all the obstacles. And so I think as long as in every scene you have to under... And I think that's, like, for me, like, every scene you want to write... Scenes that aren't going to be cut, or like that, you know, <laughs> that you know, that needs to be sense. there. And so, you know, I feel like if you walk into every scene, understanding what every character in that scene wants and how they're trying to get it. Um, then then you're then you gravy. Like I feel like that's what the act two is. It's like, okay, in every scene, like how are they trying to get what they want in this scene? Okay, that didn't work, or did it work. And now, what's next? And like, how are they trying to get what they want?
0: Do you have that all written down? What every single character needs? Is there like some giant board, or is that something you feel like you more I just know it at this point. I've done all the work. That's someone else's didn't parking I put this pass. In my car? I give you a different one. Okay. That's a- there are these very official parking passes that we make uh, and uh, we had an extra one and Amanda just had a little panic moment, but we're fine. Yeah. Um,
1: um, I think definitely before I start writing, I have a very clear, like I will make a map because a lot of my stuff, I love ensemble pieces and so there's always a lot of characters and in in stuff I do and so I have to make a map kind of seeing where everyone is at every single point and what they're doing and how what they're doing is affecting someone else. Um and so I have that like literally like you know uh, that I will have up like as I'm look as I'm working I'm looking at this map so I can keep track of everything that's going on and then I'll have like a detailed outline before I even start writing. And I used to not be a believer of the outline. I used to be like, "Oh, fuck it, I'm going to just start writing." But I need like a good outline. What
0: is to, like, in your for. outline? Break it down for somebody who's never actually written an outline and they just want to know like what does that mean? How different is it from like a term paper outline?
1: Um, I I mean, my outlines are super detailed in that like you literally every single moment in the movie is gonna be in that outline from beginning to end. And so I'll do like a French scene. You know, I'll have like the scene, the slug lines for each scene, and then like we'll just do a prose paragraph of like everything that happens in that scene, and then like slug line for the next scene, every single thing that happens in that scene, um, until like the end, and so that I have like a clear <laughs> map, uh, uh, layout, blueprint that I'm working from. Quick break
0: to tell you that this episode of Industry Town is sponsored by Horrible Haikus, everyone's favorite offensive poetry game. This game is perfect for actors, entertainers, or anyone who's willing to just look a little bit silly in front of their friends. Uh, Horrible Haikus is available online at horriblehaikusgame.com. And if you are an Industry Town listener, you can get the game for 50% off with the code HAIKU50. Again, that code is HAIKU50. That makes the game just $15. So go check that out on Online and get yourself a copy what do you do when you get stuck
1: if I when I'm writing or would with, with the outline
0: well my guess you tell me maybe I'm interested in both but it seems like if you do the outline right mm-hmm. you can't get that stuck later I'm sure you can get a little stuck but yeah. it does seem like the whole point of the outline is to avoid the stuckness, mm-hmm. right
1: yeah it's, it's it's a I think that like for me I'll have that the outline and if I get to a point where, because it does change, it can sometimes change, like as you're writing a scene you discover like, oh, this is an interesting new reason or motivation and that's gonna affect the trajectory of the story. Um, But what I love about having the outline is that like I literally have that in final draft and so I can just go through the document and just write the scenes I'm excited about. (laughs) And so I don't write in order. and having an outline helps that because I could be like, oh, I have been, I really, really want to write this scene where she does this and I'm excited about that. And I always say, like, write what you're excited about because it'll just be uh, better and it won't feel like, oh, I have to figure out how to get through this scene. And then when you're writing the scenes you're excited about, you'll find stuff in those scenes that you can go back and layer into the scenes earlier that you weren't sure how you were going to write.
0: I gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Is there any other like ritual that you do to get unstuck creatively? Like, are you just like, nope? I got to put it away. I got to. I got to take a walk. I got to mm-hmm. do a dance party. <laughs> like, what is the? What's the idea for that?
1: Um, I am a big believer in walks. Uh, I love walking, and. And like thinking, and I'll have like I'll make like a playlist for that's the sound of like you know what I'm working on. Um, that's something I've started recently doing that I really like. And so having music going in the background that feels like the vibe of the movie.
0: Are you talking like songs you love, like scores from movies, or what do you listen to?
1: Um, yeah, like songs. And so like I'll I'll like go through and just make like a Spotify playlist. I was like, oh, this is the vibe that I, I'm trying to go for. Like, or this might be something that this character would be listening to, or something like that.
0: Okay, so when you want to get unstuck it's just do something that changes up the energy and the vibe a little Mm -hmm.
1: bit. Yeah, yeah. And then sometimes it is just like move on from that scene. Like if I'm like stuck on a scene, like, because I am very, I can get like very, um, uh, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, like obsessed with something, like if it's not working and like I'm trying to like be better about just like moving on from it uh, and going to the, because I could spend like hours like trying to figure out a couplet of a, on a dialogue pattern. Just like, and then in my head I'll be like, why are you doing this, just move on. Like This is literally not the most important thing you should be doing. Um, and so I find that like moving on from scenes that aren't working and just like moving into something that I'm excited about writing and then going back.
0: So at some point you made the jump to features,
1: right? Mm-hmm.
0: When did you start writing breaking news in Yuba County?
1: So that I started writing even before I was actually stopped on any TV show because I started I wrote that when I was an assistant on Bones, um, and I think for me I knew that I had wanted to write a feature, and that's like why I took Pete's class and and so I wrote that and I was like and and I was super excited about it like I and so wanting to write a feature, um, the inspiration for it was actually. Um, a play that I had written when I was in college was like actually like the jump off point for it, and so the, when you look at um, the trajectory of like the movie and like it's funny going back and looking at you know the beginning log line and like how each step changed along the way. Like the movie is like kind of different from than what like I initially thought it was going to be because like originally it was gonna, it was about because the play is about this family of women who on Christmas Eve they get a call that. Um, they were the emergency contact for the patriarch of the family and that he died the night before in a car accident. And this and this is a guy who had, like, walked out on them, like, six years ago. And so, like, they're, they're all the plays about them trying to figure out what to do with his body. And, like, half of them want to go claim his body and, like, closure. And the other half is, like, fuck that guy. Like, donate it to science. And so that was, like, the initial idea that I was starting with, which was, like, you know, what do you do with the body of someone you used to love but don't anymore and so that's kind of where sue's journey started and you know loving ensemble pieces like i wanted to build a world where one person's actions which seems innocent enough affects this person over here and then there and like it all kind of like becomes this web of like chaos and so mapping that out and and you know, I think by the time I was like done with that feature, it was like one of you know, like when you like do something, and you're just like, oh, that like this is it, <laughs> like, you know, like.
0: If I wrote know. that, I'd think that. I mean, guys, I can't even begin <laughs> to tell you. So many of you are not going to get to have any idea what the screenplay is until you see it, and it's not coming out until 2020, yeah, right? Yeah. Do we have a release date? Mm-mm. I can't wait for everyone to see this thing. Uh, when when I read that script, I just my jaw was on the ground. It took like a crew to pick it back up. I always knew you were really talented, but I'm not kidding. This is one of the best screenplays I've ever read. Oh, thanks, and then man. and like I'd never heard you say that Coen Brothers thing. That's what I. That was the vibe that I got from this. And th- it's interesting to hear you say that the idea started a while back because, again, this is just my own two cents on your work. Uh, it feels so 2019. It feels like a comment on media culture. It feels like uh, a comment on Me Too. It feels like a comment on so many different, I mean, it feels also like we're, like it's kind of an, a, a response to Trump of just like a lot of like, what happens when there are chaotic people who overpromise and underdeliver deliver on the reg and like live in their own reality. So without it ever being political, it feels wildly political wow. to me. Are those things that you thought about at all in the making of it?
1: No, like it really was. Um, it's so funny because like for me, I, I, I knew, again, I love that style and I wanted to like create this this movie around um, from a woman's perspective because like we never really get to see the woman getting to be like the messy person in those movies who are just like kind of driving the chaos. And so that I knew was important for me and just like also making it in a, I guess, like a diverse landscape um, because, you know, I love the Coen brothers, but again, it is like all white male. It's very
0: white. Very white, very male,
1: <laughs> and so I wanted to like you know tell a story in that world, but seeing, um, seeing new people, and maybe that's what makes it feel you know so contemporary because we haven't gotten to see it from you know a more like kind of diverse landscape.
0: I mean, it's characters like Kava being played by Aquafina. I mean, you're. In every other Co- a Coen Brothers movie, that's Steve Buscemi, right? Yeah. Every single yeah, time, yeah, that's Steve yeah. Buscemi. Yeah. And let me be honest, I love Steve Buscemi, mm-hmm. and he's got some incredible characters, but it does change the game. I remember we worked on it in class a little bit, yeah. and people, the women in the class were dying to play that part because when do you get to play a part like that? When do you get to be the sociopath with a gun, yeah. you know? And the the delight in so many people's eyes, it was, it was Helpable. That
1: was like I mean when you told me that you guys were doing it at the studio, it was like so trippy for me because it was just like, whoa, like to go from cause I, even like you know, I did a scene from it way, way back, like for Solstice?
0: Yeah, think. we do a class at the yeah. studio uh but the in the in summer and at the very end of the year that's just basically a celebration of people's talent. Bring in whatever it is that you love, a scene that scares you, a scene that you've always wanted to do, fuck casting, screw any kind of uh norms that are on there. Bring in other talents, do stand up, bring in your scripts and you You, I still remember this about you, which is you're like second class was a solstice class and you brought in more work than anybody by like eight times over and it was all prepared. You had like a song, you were in everyone else's scene, you had like five scenes of your own. I feel like you also did like a monologue from a play and then you also were like, I brought in a short story that I wrote as like a six year old or something and you read that thing Yes, and the imagination in that was out of this world and I wish I had been more aware of like, Find everything that this woman has read, and that my spider sense was not as developed as it should have been at that point. Um, But yeah, I feel like you brought it, and you brought in one of the ones where they're uh, where they're looking at the security camera photo. Yeah, and it's funny because we all read it later, and we're all like, we didn't understand that scene in the larger context of it. But holy, yeah, that was really exciting. Um, How did that movie get made? I mean, a lot of people. Have a have a really good screenplay in theory that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, yours got fucking made and like made to the extreme. Oh you have God. movie stars in every single part. You've got an incredible director.
1: It was like I'm honestly, it's like so funny to like think about because again, like after I wrote it, it kind of sat for a while because I wrote it when I was an assistant. And I was like, great, I wrote a great movie. I loved. All right, and now I'm, I don't know what to do with it. So kind of sure. just like I kind of put it in a drawer, kind of thing, and continued down the TV path and you know, I got staffed and I was in rooms and I it was like always in the back of my brain. I always knew I wanted to do it, but it wasn't until I brought it out to my writing group and they read it and they were like, dude, like what, like, why are you sitting on this? <laughs> like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh yeah, I guess, let me, let me see what I can do about this. And so I sent it to, um, my reps and they loved it. And so it really was, they started, that was like my, like, opening doors to, for the feature side and so they started having like me meet people on the feature side and I think that like the more people in town read it like there was like they were excited about it and so at the end of that year it had gotten on the blacklist and I think that was like the door opening for me to be to be a feature writer um I absolutely love the blacklist like I think it's like such a great company in terms of for
0: anyone who doesn't know what it is just quickly give a little primer on it
1: um, yeah, so it's this company started by Franklin Leonard, and it really is uh, writer based, writer first. It's just like the understanding that, like, you know, without a writer, you wouldn't have a movie kind of thing. And so it is, so they have this list that they do every year of like the scripts that like people in the town love that year and that, that, that they voted on. And that they also That didn't have, get made, that, right? Yeah, the, the best scripts that haven't gotten made. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also have like a platform that um, people can submit their scripts to as well. And so it is just like. Opening a door for people who um, didn't like haven't, you know, have made their movie but have a great script.
0: So you get on that list, and then what Tate Taylor calls you and is like, (laughs) Come to New Orleans, let's make it, or wherever. Um,
1: So it it got on the blacklist in, I think, 2017. Um, And then Franklin, who like runs it, like he loved it and like he wanted to be a part of it. Like he's a producer on it. Amazing. Um, And he linked up with, Reva Marker who like runs Nine Stories and they like decided to do it together and I think that like it it going around I don't know actually how it came to Tate whether it came through them or like through his manager his manager has said that he sent it to Tate and so somehow like it came across Tate and he loved it and he was just like I love this for Allison Um, Allison Janney who is Literally like fucking broke. like I felt like I was like a master class watching her like perform. Like she is so amazing. <laughs> like There's like an she-
0: amazing uh it's either Instagram or Twitter, which is just like uh Alice and Janie moments or something and they'll just tweet out like here's Alice and Janie wearing a boa. <laughs> And it's yeah. like always way more remarkable than you think it's going to be. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh my god, that just did something for my day.
1: She's truly, truly brilliant. Um, and so I think once that like happened, there was just like so much energy behind it. Where and was this then, in
0: relationship to her Oscar? Because she just won last she year just for I an Oscar. Like, I this... think it was
1: maybe right after. So I think So that, she's got a lot of momentum. Yeah, she's yeah. figuring out what
0: is this next thing for me. Mm-hmm. Of course, while well, she's still shooting Mom and a billion other things, because yeah. she's in everything. I mean, in yeah. a great way, she's in everything. I love
1: seeing her in everything. Yes. <laughs> like, well yeah, well deserved. Yeah. Um, and so and so, I think once that happened, there was just like, a lot of energy behind it. Um, so she
0: signed officially on.
1: She's on to do it and then, what do
0: you do when you find out Allison Janney signs on to do your movie
1: <laughs> I mean it's just like it's like every the whole process like because it also happened so fast and everyone's like movies don't get made this quickly I'm just like ah, I don't know this is great I'm so like you know like it, it was surreal like it was just like you know you but what's see the moment right
0: after like, you get that call are you just like shaking in your room are you like well I guess I need to like go walk around the block like are you telling all your friends like meet me for cocktails right now drinks on me like what is that moment right after you find out that like a major movie an oscar winner wants to do your movie
1: it's i mean it's so it's truly amazing it it really is just like a it felt like a dream and it was just like and you know especially because with that it's just like well this now feels like it really is going to get made and i'm going to get to see it and you know when you write something you want to see it and so and then to see it with like an actor at that level it's just like holy shit, <laughs> like, you know, this was just like, this was so, and I think that, like, even, like, for me, I was just like, okay, okay, people are paying attention right now, and I gotta write another movie, like, real quick, while they're still paying attention, and so, like, I wrote, like, Dead Dad's Club, and, like, you Which know. Which is your next
0: movie that you're mm-hmm. making, right? Is that, where is that?
1: Um. So, that right now is, we have, like, producer and director attached, and now we're setting it up.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. And then in the meantime, there's been some crazy other things been announced for you, right?
1: Yeah. Can we
0: talk about these things? I mean, I feel like if they're in the um, trades, yeah, we can talk a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it truly was like the last two years has been, I think off of those two specs, Breaking News and Dead Dads Club, people kind of got a sense of my voice mm-hmm. um, and knew what I was about. And and so I was like fortunate to kind of, um, before anything even came out, um, get get, um, get on projects that are so varied, you know, like doing like the superhero movie and doing a musical.
0: So she's doing a musical and she's also writing Plastic Man for DC. These are like as varied <laughs> and as big a fucking deal as you can imagine, right? It's like,
1: it's truly like, I mean, I was, like, having, like, a holy fuck year. year. I was just like, okay, okay, like, this is... But I think that also, like, they're so varied, but, like, I feel like you'll feel me in all of them because of, of, like, the kind of, like, tone I have. And I think I was happy and fortunate that this all happened before anything came out um, so that I wasn't like put in a box of like okay this is what she does or this is her style um, because they are so different and so I'm excited to like get to play and they're all genres that I love like I was like a high school musical theater kid so like to write a fucking musical I was just like I've been wanting to do that and like you know it was, it was like so exciting for me and and you know I love superhero movies and so like to like Get to play in that genre. Did like you Superman. know Plastic
0: Man before that? Was that was that particularly a character you knew, or was that like I got to learn about this? I've got to deep dive. I got to read a whole bunch of issues.
1: Um, I knew the character, but I it, you know I it wasn't you know like a Batman or a Superman where like those are the characters that you see all the time. And mm-hmm. so it was more of like a deep dive. And like the more I learned about this character, I was just like, oh, this is like super fun. And like you know having like you know being able to lean into that comedy. Um, And I think it was also exciting that, like, you know, he is not as well known of a character because that kind of gives
0: more room to introduce. Wiggle room, yeah. To introduce a character. An origin story we might actually need.
1: (laughs) Yeah. God, I,
0: I recently saw Joker and you could say a lot of different, there's a lot of interesting things to chat about with that movie. But... Why do we need to keep seeing Thomas and Martha Wayne get shot? I feel like I've seen that more than the yeah. crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the image of yeah. our culture, and it's just like, for God's sake, guess what? And
1: there's so many characters, superhero characters. Like, there's like you know, going in, there's so many like you know, cool characters that we haven't seen on the film side, and so yeah, it's like I'm let's excited give voice. that it's like opening up to more people.
0: So where are these projects right now? Are these like you're leaving here to go write both of them at the same time? Are they done? Are they set up? Like, Where are we? Are we not allowed to say anything? We are not allowed to say (laughs) a damn thing. She's giving me quite a coy smile right now and I'm gonna respect the hell out of that. Um, I have a couple more questions for you but we're kind of nearing the end. Um, One that I'm sure there are people hearing this right now and they're thinking like, okay so in six years she goes from somebody who's never been in a staff room to writing multiple movies and having Oscar winners in there. Do you ever have imposter syndrome? Do you ever have that moment of like they're gonna figure me out? Because I have that. Mm-hmm. I'll book just another acting job and I've got dozens of credits. Yeah. And I've done it a whole bunch of times. And I still will have that moment of like, but they do know it's me, right. <laughs> do you ever have that or is that just kind of your superpower?
1: I think that like in the beginning I had like a little bit of that, you know, of like, you know, oh, I haven't done this before and I don't know what to do or not know what to expect. But I think the as I and I got this from my mentor, actually. She's the one who's just like, you have to understand and respect your value. And, like, that's always kind of like stuck with me because I'm just like, yeah, like, I deserve to be here. And I'm like, work really hard and I'm good at what I do. Like, why should I like go into a room being like, oh, thanks for letting me be here? Like, no, I should be here. And so, like, I feel like I, I've loved that energy that she's kind of instilled in me.
0: I think that's remarkable because, gosh, I mean, like, it's one thing to say that, it's another thing to believe it. And I do f- I meet so many creatives, and so many struggle with that piece. And on some level, I wonder, I wonder how much is just nature? How much are we born being able to accept that? How much is stuff beyond our control, of like whatever imprinting happened when we were like a kid mm. or something like that? And how much is just getting a yes in the right moment, um, or is it maybe you know some secret doubt that we have that we haven't fully like dealt with yet? But that imposter syndrome, I think, keeps people from even. You know, we talked at the very beginning about this, about you being willing to walk up to somebody and introduce yourself, and that's how you end up meeting your mentor. And I feel like that imposter syndrome gets people so early that they never even take that first action. And it's so wildly impressive to see that it—it it might not be easy for you to do that. Like it clearly takes a little bit of like oh, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna do it. But there seems to be like a, an optimism and a belief that it's gonna work out, and that's a, just a remarkable thing to see. Do you feel like you've always had that?
1: Um. I feel like because I've always loved uh, what I do, and I've always always, like made myself laugh, and so I was just like, "Ah, you know, even if it's not for you, like I I feel, I I feel like as long as I feel good about it, then I, I have, I'm able to have that energy. If I'm like iffy about something I did, then like I will be more like nervous about it. But if I feel like something I did is good, (laughs) like so maybe
0: that's the thing is being able to look at your own work and say, I like this. This tickles me. Yeah, and then. And like that, that's a beautiful statement and I think a lot of people think that that's somehow like it's egotistical or what if someone disagrees with me it's like fuck them and fuck it yeah. do you like it and yeah. if you do it for you and it's
1: so subjective art is so subjective and so as long as you can stand by something you did and you love it then I feel like Get that imposter syndrome out of here.
0: Yeah, and like, and art is subjective, so if you don't like your own work, maybe go back and start over because <laughs> yeah. it is subjective, so you do get to create something you can yeah. like. That's totally in your control on yeah. some level. Um, okay, a couple last, a uh, couple things. Um, did you ever do any, uh, like, table reads for Yuba County?
1: Um. Yeah, I did. Oh my goodness. I did, I did, like, I, I remember this was, like, years ago, probably, like, when I was assistant after I wrote it. Um, Around the same time, probably I was doing it in in your class, I had a bunch of like JRS people come over to Mega's house and we just like read it out loud, which was like so. I mean, I love hearing my stuff out loud and love hearing like what people are responding to. So I always try to have. To
0: classmates do it.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Have you ever, either Breaking News or any of the other ones, have you ever had to do a more structured table read for producers or for people developing it with you?
1: Um,. Not on, I mean, we do that on like the TV side. Like, you'll always have like a table read before um, you shoot your episode, but not for not for any of my features. I have done that yet.
0: So, have you ever in any of them? I guess the one I'm most interested in, because I know it the most and you can talk about it the most is breaking news, but mm-hmm. have you ever gotten just a whole bunch of notes from somebody, from some exec, and had to deal with that?
1: You know, breaking news is actually pretty close to like what I originally wrote, which is very exciting. Um, and I think that, like, with me, for notes, what I've learned is that, because I was definitely someone who, like, hated rewriting. Like, you know, I was like, no, I, I wrote it. It's perfect. Like, I don't want to change anything. I already, like, tore my soul out and put it on paper. And then, you know, I've recently become more in terms of, okay, like, if they're giving a note on this, if I even if I don't agree with the note, like, what's the note behind the note? What is, like, the general sentiment we're trying to get? And I found that, you know, it'll... it'll It'll like get better. Like it'll it does ultimately make things better. And so I try to be less resistant to notes and like getting other people's input because I feel like getting getting that and like you know working on it, I, it always ultimately gets to like a cooler, more exciting place.
0: Do you feel like you have to take every single note given to you?
1: No, I feel like I try to like take you know, um, I try to like hear and listen to every note and like get the take the sentiment behind it um but if something I think and I think that like you know it's been great the people that people I've been collaborating with like if something I feel if I know I feel like is gonna take it in the wrong direction or isn't gonna work I think people are open to to that conversation
0: so as long as it stays collaborative and not a fight it yeah. becomes really easy um, okay so I want to put this aside for a second I want to ask you about one last topic that could be a, a bit large, but I just want to, I want to ask about one more thing, which is you have now done the diversity showcase. You've mentioned being the only black person in multiple writers rooms. I feel like there's a narrative that, uh, everything is getting more diverse, that there is more representation, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that's true? Do you, and do, where do you think there's still room to grow? Uh, yeah. I
1: think there's... A room to grow, pretty much across the board, everywhere. Like I feel like we're definitely at a point where diversity is like the buzzy word, and everyone wants to be like diversity, diversity, but not everyone's actually, um, you know, walking the walk kind of thing. And so, like especially like like I did was this last year or two years ago? I did the show us your room challenge a few years ago um, because like being in all these like all white rooms and just like especially at a point where like you're hearing everyone talking about diversity, but the numbers aren't changing. Um, Basically like calling for like rooms to, you know, post a picture of their room and just like the results of that, like, you know, I think we had... Maybe like fifty to sixty rooms participate out of like the like over five hundred shows we have, so it was like less than a tenth, um, which makes it clear again how much work we need to do. Um, and you know, even of those rooms that participated, I feel like seventy-five percent were run by um, people of color or women. And just again, like you're seeing again who is hiring more diverse rooms, and so I feel like we have to make the diversity issue not like an industry problem but like you know something that we could fix on like a micro level because i feel like when you make it just like oh well that's just like how the industry is it becomes like a problem like this faceless problem that like no one can fix except for like the faceless industry and i feel like everyone has a responsibility to be um to be making sure that there are more more voices in the room i mean and not only just because like it's the right thing to do but honestly because it is better for your content and better for their product and like better for audiences because people want to see themselves represented on screen and like you can't and like things just are better when you have more voices in the room. Like if you have 10 of the same voice in the room you're not going to get like a nuanced interesting story out of there and so I would I want to see like you know more people like taking active steps to build you know more representative rooms and more inclusive rooms and like on you know on the feature side having more People uh, having more like people of color like behind the scenes like because I think that like yes you can have you can have you know that on screen but if it's not also looking the same behind the scenes like I feel like that's a little suspect and so you know like who who are telling what stories and like you know how authentic are they and so I think we definitely have a lot more work to do in terms of like getting more voices in here.
0: Yeah, that's it's important. Let's wrap this up. Uh, anything that you have to plug right now that you're allowed to plug? I mean, breaking news is going to come out in 2020. You're writing yeah. up a storm. Uh, you know what? Just Google her. <laughs> trust me it's super interesting uh, there's a lot of amazing stuff out there and uh, if you haven't heard her name yet uh, get ready for the next couple oh, of years go
1: see Parasite because it's fucking amazing oh, I was going to say have you seen anything? Oh, my I, God. I
0: actually brought oh, it up my God. on it's the like last my, podcast I like, think it's like it.
1: pushed this way into like of my top three favorite movies of all time
0: it's inc- how many times have you seen it
1: I've only seen it the once, and off of that, like, off of that one time seeing it, it's already one of my favorite movies. It's
0: easily my favorite movie of the year so far.
1: Oh, what, 100%. It, oh,
0: my... Yeah, go fucking
1: see Parasite. Go see Parasite. Go see Parasite. That's Parasite. what I'm bugging, Parasite. Yeah, go see
0: Parasite. Do you have um, social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter?
1: Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, What's the handle? Um, Amidoko,
0: A-M-I-D-O-K-O. Cool, and it will be in the show notes. Uh, Amanda so good to see you I adore you thank you so much for making time to uh, to chat with us to chat with me and everyone else and uh, maybe when the movie's coming out we can have you back on yeah oh, it would just be the best thank you so much <laughs> until next time
1: alright thanks bye guys